In Jesus' name. But it's good to be here with you and have an opportunity to share God's word. God is good. All the time. God is good to me and God is good to you. Please turn in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Again, we want to acknowledge our visitors that are here and those who are watching online, wherever you are. All over the world, we know you, there's access to these, these, pro, these services, and, and I just am so grateful that there is literally no distance when it comes to God. God is everywhere. The Holy Spirit that is here is present with you where you are, and you can receive directly from him. And I'm declaring right now in Jesus' name that he will minister to you. He will minister to us here, and no one in this place will leave here the same. If you're in agreement with me, please say amen. amen. Say hallelujah in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want us to read the story that is recorded in part in 2 Kings chapter 7 from verse 1. And uh, we're going to read to verse 11. And maybe I'll make some comments while we're reading. We'll see. Uh, but let me tell you what I believe is the word of the Lord for you and for me this morning. And it is this, help is on the way. Say to neighbor, don't give up hope. Help is on the way. I know some of us are facing some dire circumstances. Some of us are facing circumstances that have uh, been present for, for a long time. And, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. And... The temptation is to give up hope. One more time, say to the person next to you, don't give up hope. Help is on the way. We're going to learn some very practical lessons from this. So let's begin reading. Then Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Let me comment. What is happening here is that the city has been besieged. Uh, the Syrians or the Arameans have attacked Israel. As usual, Israel disobeys God, begins to worship idols. They lose their ability to enjoy the promises God has made. The enemy comes in. And they're overcome. And so Israel, once again, has been attacked by the Syrians. And now they're in Samaria. The city is under a siege. There's no way to get food in. And all the food in the city has run out. Uh, it is so bad that people have started to cannibalize their children. In chapter 6, you find that the scarcity of food was so, so, so bad. People were so hungry that literally two women got together and decided that they would eat their two children. And one said, we'll eat my child today, and then when that's done, we'll have your child. You know the story if you read the Bible. But man, it has to be bad when you get to the place where, <laughs> I don't know how you can ever get there, but for you to get there, it describes how, how, how bad and terrible the conditions were at that time. And what you're hearing here is that the, 
basic necessities people needed to survive were not there at all. And you couldn't find any food, so people were starving. And even if you did happen to find some little food, you couldn't afford it. The cost was just astronomical. And so literally, people were dying, starving. That was the condition that the scene we're about to see and the story that's about to unfold takes place. I don't know how bad your situation is. I don't think it's this bad, though. I don't think it's this bad, though. And we will see that even when things are that, quote unquote, hopeless, for the child of God, there is hope. Say to your neighbor, tomorrow, about this time. And what that means is, as bad as it is, God can change it completely around by tomorrow, by next week, by next month, by next year. The point is, don't give up hope. Because hope is critical. You see, the Bible says faith is the substance of things we hope for. Okay? Faith needs hope to exist, and you need faith to receive whatever it is that God has for you. So don't give up hope. Are you hear me? Whether it's a sickness or it's a, a family problem, uh, it's just financial trouble, it can be real bad. But hold on to hope. The scripture tells us God is able to make all things work together for our good. When you stay positive in the midst of all that is happening, you leave the door open for God's supernatural intervention. But when you give up hope, you have in essence Shut the door. Are you here? All right. Encourage the person next to you. Say tomorrow, about this time, there is hope. Amen? Let's keep reading. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And Elijah said to him, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it, or you shall not partake of it. So here was a man who was perhaps the right-hand man, man to the king, King Jehoram. And by the way, King Jehoram was a wicked king. In fact, he was blaming Elijah for the problem. And he was insisting that Elijah fix this problem. In fact, he threatened that he was going to see to it that he cuts off Elijah's head. So he was looking for Elijah to cut off his head. He was that, that wicked. He had this man at his right hand. And when the man heard what Elijah had just said about the change 
the complete change that was going to take place, where you were going to go from where you could not afford even the basic necessities, if you could, could find it, they were so scarce, where people were actually eating their own children. And now Elijah says within 24 hours, the thing is going to change so completely that there will be so much food, food will literally be wasting. You're going to go from, from total famine to surplus. He says, listen, what you're saying, I know you say you're a prophet, and I know you're supposedly speaking the word, but let me tell you something. What you're saying cannot happen. Even if God was to open the heaven, in other words, even if God himself was to come down, God cannot do this. That is unbelief, right? He had no hope. He had given up hope completely. And because he had no hope, he had no faith. And because he had no faith, he could not partake of, receive, benefit from the promise God just had made about how he, God, was going to turn the situation around. Don't give up hope because you need hope to have faith and you need faith to receive what God has in store for you. This man had no hope and no faith. I wish he knew God better. He didn't know God. I wish he knew God better because had he known God better, in spite of the circumstance as difficult it, as it might have been, at least he would have said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, come on, I look at him, I wanna criticize him, but I know I've been guilty myself. I know there are some promises God has made and there's some situations that I've looked at and even though I know what God has said in his word, I look at it and I, may not have been bold enough to say it the way he said it. But in my mind, I have looked at it and said, this one, uh-uh. You know, I probably wouldn't say even if God came, it couldn't be solved. I probably would say unless God came down, <laughs> this situation is not going to change. I've been guilty of unbelief. Anybody honest here? Say, Lord, help our unbelief. My prayer for you, my prayer for myself is that we get to the place where we can look at the most desperate circumstances and still believe in the word of the Lord and in the power of God's words to come to pass. I pray that we'll grow to the point where, like Jesus, we can look at even death in his face and not doubt in our hearts. We're not all there yet, but let's keep growing. Let's keep growing. Let's keep growing our faith. Let's keep believing God. I pray that I will never, and I pray you will never allow these words to come out of your mouth. Even if those thoughts come into your mind, don't let them come out of your mouth. Where you will hear a promise of God and say it cannot happen where you will hear a word from God and say it cannot come to pass, where you will look at a problem and say it cannot be solved, where you will look at a mountain and say this mountain cannot be moved, even though you know it is the will of God for that mountain to be moved. I pray you and I will never look at any problem, any mountain, any circumstance, any situation, and in spite of what God has said, say out of our mouth this situation can never change because what is impossible with man 
is possible with God. Say hallelujah. All things are possible to the one who believes in the God with whom nothing is impossible. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now he is thinking, Martha, Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Even in death, there is hope because I am the resurrection and the life. And even if he dies, if you believe in me, you will live again. Believest thou this. Don't bother the master anymore. Your servant, your child is dead. And then Jesus says, fear not. Only believe. Don't throw away your hope, which has the promise of great reward. You have need of patience, says the scripture, that after you have done the will of God, you might experience the fulfillment of the promise. Next verse, please. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? The story is about to change. You see, <laughs> if we say we'll enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians, if they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. Good reasoning. The situation is about to change. And God is about to use the most unlikely people. The last people you would have thought would be the instruments by which God would change the situation for an entire nation were these four men. So they're sitting at the gate. They are lepers. By now you know the condition of leprosy in those days. I mean, this was a death sentence, and then it was a social death as well because you were not allowed to interact with people. So that's why they were outside of the city. Everybody else was in the city dying and they were outside of the city dying. And on top of that, they were lepers. So they were, were rejected. And there they are. And the Bible says they, have, they start a conversation. And the conversation begins with, why are we sitting here until we die? If we go into the city, well, there's famine there, we'll die. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the Syrian camp where there's a lot of food, there is a slight, it's not a great possibility, but there is a slight possibility that they might have compassion on us and give us food. 
And if they give us food, then we are actually going to live. If they don't give us food, well, we're going to die, but we're going to die anyway. So we've lost nothing. And so in the midst of this very dire situation that these four men find themselves, they see a glimmer of hope and they latch on it. Don't give up your hope. Because hope has a way of creating faith. Faith has a way of causing action. Faith can literally position you to where God can work a miracle in your life and turn things around for you. I've also seen God use hope and faith to do perhaps even a greater miracle because sometimes the circumstances do not change, but because of hope and faith, you change. My goodness. And you now are able to look at the same situation and whereas before you were so distraught, you were depressed, you were so, so down, you could not function, you were alive but yet dead because emotionally you have become so oppressed. But I've seen God be able to work in people's lives while the circumstances remain the same. He is able, because of hope and faith, work in them to such a degree that even though the circumstances have not changed, but they have changed so much that at the end of the day, it really no longer matters whether the circumstances change or not. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah again. Don't give up hope. One reason you don't give up hope, because hope will be the substance that will give birth to faith and Faith allows God to change your circumstances, but another reason that you should not give up faith by giving up hope is because when you hold on to hope and faith, literally God is able to do a work in you that so transforms you that at the end of the day, whether the thing itself changes like you want it, it loses its power to destroy you. That's when you're not able to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and not be destroyed by them. That's why now you're able to be in the fire and the fire is heated and it's consuming everybody else. You're in the fire, you're in the fire, but you're not being burned. Why? Because something has happened. God has done something in you. Even though the fire is still burning, God is keeping you now in the midst of the fire. And whereas before you cried, you weep, you worried, you felt depressed, you didn't want to do anything, you lost all your motivation. Now in the midst of the same trial, you're walking around in the furnace with the fourth man, praising God and worshiping God and giving God thanks. It's amazing what I've seen some believers have to face and how they're able to face it and come through it joyfully. It's still here. And so they begin the conversation. And you know what? I was looking at their logic, and I said, you know what? The atheists would benefit from their logic. Because they said, listen, if we stay here, we'll die. 
if we go into the city, we'll die. If we go to the Syrian camps, we may actually live. But even if we didn't live, we've lost nothing. We're going to die anyway. The atheist rally would benefit from that kind of reasoning. Because here's the truth. If you believe in God, and it turns out that God is not real, you'll die. If it turns out there's no hell, you'll die and don't go to hell. Right? So if you believe in God, and you believe the gospel, and it turns out that God and the gospel are not true, it turns out there is no hell and you die. As an atheist, you've lost nothing because what you got is what you would have gotten anyway. Are you hearing me? But there is a possibility that there is a God and there's a possibility that there is a hell. And if you reason like these folks, you will say, you know what? If I believe in God, and there is a God, and the gospel is true, and just maybe Jesus did rise from the grave, and maybe there is a hell, then if I believe that gospel and I die, I get to go to heaven where I will spend eternity with God. I get to escape hell. Hallelujah. Where I spend eternity with the devil. But what if I believe and at the end of the day, there is no God, there is no hell. I haven't lost anything. I was going to die anyway. Are you following me? So if they were to use just the rational process that these men use, they would choose to believe the gospel Choose to believe in God because there's nothing to lose except perhaps hell and a lot to gain, which is heaven and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Isn't that so? But that's not how they think. But these men begin a conversation. And so they act upon that word because they had hope, a little hope, not a lot, but a little they held on to that hope and they decided that they would go ahead and go to the Syrian camp and perhaps they will live. The Bible tells us as they were on their way there. In fact, go ahead and let's go to the next verse. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise... No one was there. Now you got to you got to understand what's happening. They are sitting outside of the camp. Elijah, Elisha, has spoken a word saying tomorrow about this time. These people outside the camp probably hadn't even heard that word. They didn't even know what God has said. But they now because of the little hope they have, walked into this place expecting to find the Syrians there. And when they get there, to their surprise, 
All the Syrian soldiers have fled, but they have left behind in every tent food galore. Food galore. Food galore. Then gold and silver, then horses and donkeys. Surplus. Not just enough for these four, but so much food that is enough to feed all of the folks in the city of Samaria and have an abundance left over. What had Elijah said? Tomorrow, about this time, your situation, your circumstance is going to be completely totally turned around. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And now we see the word of the Lord being fulfilled, the word of the Lord coming to pass. Hear me. There's no word of God that is void of power. Every word that God speaks has the power to fulfill itself in your life. Every word that God has spoken has the power to come to pass. Every word that God speaks has the power to accomplish what God has sent it to accomplish in your life. Don't you give up hope. If God has spoken concerning your circumstances, if there are promises in God's word regarding what you are going through, if Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for you so that you can have that blessing, then I'm saying to you, no matter how impossible it looks today, do throw away your hope. Help is on the way. Help is coming in the name of Jesus. Help is on the way for me. Help is on the way for you. Hallelujah. And I declare in the name of Jesus, literally for some of you, tomorrow, about this time, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, literally for some of you, your circumstance will have turned around completely in Jesus' name. I told you a couple of weeks ago for one of the men in our church, for years he he could not get his status changed because of the way he came. He was stuck over 30 years. And the last communication he got from his lawyer was, there's nothing more we can do. And then he receives that bad news. But he has hope. He knows there's a God who loves him. He knows, there's, he knows there's a God with whom nothing is impossible. So he receives the bad news from a good lawyer saying, we've done everything we can. There's no more we can do. And so now he's supposed to give up hope, but he doesn't. He writes and sticks on the wall in his house. God has the last word. God has the final say. And within a week... He gets a letter from immigration granting him his green card. He's, he, 
so that now he has his green card in the hand. He still doesn't know how it happened. He doesn't know what God did, but God must have done something. You see, God has a way of doing something when there is no way, making ways out of no way. God can cause the Red Sea to part. God can do that for you. And God can cause that same Red Sea to part from you to close up on your enemies and destroy those who are pursuing you. Everybody say hallelujah. Come on, let's shout it with God. Nothing is impossible. With him, nothing shall be called impossible. So let's take impossible out of our mouths. Nothing that God wills is impossible for God to do. There are a few things that are impossible. God cannot lie. That's an impossibility. God cannot make a promise that he cannot keep. That's an impossibility. God has nothing he wills to do that he hasn't the ability to perform. That would be impossible. But every promise that God has made is possible because no word of God lacks the power required to fulfill itself. The situation turns around completely. Now, I've been telling you, don't give up hope. I want to tell you something else. Start giving out your invitations to your surprise party. Come on, surprise! Lord, there is no one there. While they were sitting in the impossible situation they were in, Dying because of lack of food, God was preparing a surprise party for them. You don't know what God is preparing for you now in your future. While you sit here today suffering, while you sit here today worrying, while you sit here today crying, while you feel so sorry for yourself because the conditions you find yourself in my heart, they're real, they're difficult. What you don't know is that God has been and is and has prepared for you a party to celebrate your victory. So this is what I want you to do now. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know those plans. You don't know. I know. I know the plans I have for you. And my plans are to give you a future. My plans are to give you hope. I got some good plans for you that I'm working on. That's what God is saying. Just like with these lepers, totally unconscious of what God was doing. You may be sitting here totally unconscious of what God is doing. But I want to tell you, God has placed things in your future designed to bless you. 
designed to increase you, designed to fulfill you with joy that is unspeakable. So this is what I want you to do. Say to the person next to you, you are invited to my party. Say you are invited to my victory party. To my deliverance party. To my solution party. To my promotion party. To my healing party. Say you are invited. Glory. Help is on the way. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He sent his son into this world to make sure that whatever the situation you and I find ourselves in, we can always have a strong reason for hope because help has been sent in Christ. And if help has been sent in Christ, the help is always available to me in Christ Jesus. You got Jesus? You got help. Come on, say hallelujah. hallelujah. So, so listen to me. Don't give up hope. Give out invitations. Expect your blessing. Expect your miracle. Expect your transformation. Expect the manifestation of God's grace and love in your life. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While they were sitting there, God had already wrought their solution. So they enter into the tent or into the camp and they experience a victory they didn't fight for. They got there and the Syrians were gone. They didn't get there and have to fight the Syrians. God had already fought the Syrians for them and caused the Syrians to flee. They were experiencing a victory they did not fight for. They were feasting on blessings they had not worked for. Does that sound familiar? Come on. Harvest, does that sound familiar? Enjoying a victory you did not fight for. Feasting on blessings you did not work for. Doesn't that sound to you like the gospel of Jesus Christ? Doesn't that sound to you like the good news that we proclaim? Hallelujah. Doesn't that sound like we're saved by grace through faith apart from our works? Doesn't that sound like Christ has met our needs and we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Say hallelujah! That sounds like Jesus to me! That sounds like redemption to me! That sounds like salvation to me. 
That sounds like the cross where he was crucified, dead and buried, died and was put in the grave. And three days later, he arose and ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father and said, all authority is not given unto me. Now you go, you go, you go, you go. Sounds like Jesus and his finished work on my, on your behalf. He fought the battle that you didn't have to fight. And now the victory he has won is yours by faith in him. He did the work you didn't do to earn the blessings you don't have to earn so that now you can be blessed with all spiritual blessings and you can feast on the goodness and the mercies of the Lord all the days of your life and not have to work for them. You just get to enjoy them. I pray for you. I pray for me. Why are you sitting there crying, worrying, weeping, depressed, sad, hopeless, when God in Christ has already won the victory for you. When God in Christ has already supplied your need, the only thing necessary now is for you to talk to yourself and get up from where you are in that place of self-pity and fear and rejection and begin to boldly declare who Jesus is, what he has done for you, and actively by faith begin to celebrate all of the spiritual blessings that you have received in him. And so, and so what do they do? What do they do when they discover what I would call the riches of Christ? The riches of Christ. The provisions of Christ, all that Christ has provided for us, the riches of Christ, the love of the Father, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the promise of answered prayer, angelic protection, all that God has prepared for us. Oh, may God open our eyes so we can start celebrating what he has already done for us in and through his son. Now, isn't it, isn't it funny how God can use people to be a blessing and they don't even know that they're being a blessing? And how God can make you a blessing and you don't even know God is working through you. As these men sat there and began to talk among themselves, they didn't realize when they were talking that the reason they were having that conversation was because God had already chosen 
to make them instruments in his plan. God has a way of blessing you through people who are not even conscious that they are being used by God. All the thing is they're taking care of their business and not knowing that in taking care of their business, they're actually taking care of your business. <laughs> and isn't it funny how God can use you to be a blessing to others and you have no idea that you are an instrument that God is using. All you think is you're taking care of your business when God has already included you in his plan to bless someone else. Those lepers had no idea that they were actually a part of God's plan to bring deliverance, salvation, healing, and blessing to God's people. You have no idea how much God has used you and how much God will use you to be a blessing to others, nor do you fully appreciate how much God has blessed you through people, even though they were totally unconscious of being the instruments of God. But this is what I want to tell you. Whenever you are experienced some blessing coming through man, understand it came from God. Are you hearing me? And learn to give God praise and learn to give God thanks and learn to acknowledge that every good thing that has come to you ever in your life, no matter who it came through, whether they liked you or didn't like you, every good thing that has ever come into your life came from God. And God used people to bless you. Many of them had no idea that their thought processes were actually being, being, being influenced by God in order to bless you, in order to help you. And you have no idea how much God has used you to bless others. So here's the point. Whenever you receive a blessing through man, know that the source of that blessing is God. And learn to give God thanks. Learn to acknowledge God in every situation. Learn to thank God for every blessing. Because had it not been for the Lord, that blessing would not have reached you in time. So they get into the temple, guys, and do you know what they start to do? They were motivated by self-preservation. They were not thinking about saving anybody else. When they got up to go into the camp, they were thinking about themselves. Self-preservation, and that's okay. I believe God has put into all of us an instinct to save our lives. Self-preservation was the motivation that got them into the, 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 the camp. And when they looked into the, the, the tents and saw what they saw, the Bible says they saw food. The first thing they went for was food. And they feasted. You see, when you're hungry, you don't care for anything else. Amen. Maslach calls it some basic needs. Amen. They're just some basic needs. You need food and water. And until that is supplied, you're not thinking about being a great pastor. You're not thinking about being a great business. All you want when you are starving for food and for water is what? Food and water. 
let me just say this. That's one of the reasons why I believe in countries where there's poverty, there's, you tend to not see great inventions and all, the, because people don't have the time to pursue those great dreams because they're still focused on the basic necessities. Uh, you hear me? These men got in and they consumed. Then they saw the gold, they saw the silver, and they started to take for themselves. And they took it and they hid it and they hid it and hid it. And then finally conviction hit them. And they said, wait a minute. The thing we're doing is not good. This is the day for good news. We should be telling people about this, this thing God has done. We ought to be telling people what we're doing, just, just consuming everything on ourselves and just hiding things for ourselves. This is not good. How many of you agree that that was not good? How many of you agree that when God blesses you like that, it's not good for you just to be motivated for self-preservation, self-gratification, just take care of me and take care of my children? How many of you say, no, no, mm -mm. it's not well, that's not good. Now, now let me move from all the shouting to where now I want to bring this home to where I am and where you are. Hear me, here, here's some questions. We who have heard the gospel, we who have received what we have not worked for, we who have received a victory we didn't fight, we have received blessings we didn't work for. There are some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Let me give you two or three of those questions before I take my seat. Here's question number one. Why are you still alive? Those four lepers should have been dead long time. Their condition itself, the leprosy itself, weakening them, was killing them. Then you add this starving lack of food to them. They should have been dead. God preserved their lives. God kept them alive. Now you need to look at yourself. Why are you alive? Why haven't you died yet? Why has God preserved your life? You know people who were better than you who are gone. You know people who were better off than you who are not here. And you yourself know there are times when you have come close to death. And there are many times we have come close to death and we didn't know it. You don't know how many times a car could have run into you on the highway and kill you, but for the grace of God. So now you are alive. COVID came. Many people lost their lives. Some were healthier than you. They're gone. Some of you got COVID. You recovered. So here's the question. Did you preserve your own life? Or did God preserve your life? Are you alive because of who you are or are you alive because of who he is? And if you're alive because of who he is and if you're alive today because he has chosen to preserve your life, then hear me, it can only mean he has a purpose and a reason to keep you alive. It can only mean that he wants yet to do something through you. 
It can only mean that he wants to work through you. It can only mean that he still has a plan to work through you. So ask yourself, why am I alive? You do not own your life. I do not own my life. My life is a gift. My spiritual life, my physical life, my financial life. My life is a gift. Your life is a gift from God. Why has God gifted you with life today? Don't take your existence or your continued existence for granted. The fact that you're alive means God wants to make you an instrument for his glory. You need to own that. You need to recognize that. You need to stop living for yourselves and start living for the God who has given you life and who has the power to keep you alive. And if you haven't asked yourself that question lately, ask yourself that. And you may not know the details, but this you should know. You are alive because God has a purpose and God wants to work through you. God sees you as an instrument to work through for his glory. That you can be sure of. The details can be worked out later. But the fact that you are alive because God wants to work through you for his glory, that is something you should embrace. And every day when you start your day, you should remind yourself, today God has given me life for his glory. Yes, the second question I want you to ask yourself today, you who are beneficiaries of grace, you who have survived the famine, you who should have been dead but you are alive, you who now acknowledge and recognize that you are chosen as an instrument of God for God's glory, that's why he has kept you alive. He's not done with you yet. Yes, the second question you need to ask, who are you with? Who are you on this journey with? There were four lepers. They had a conversation. One said this, one said that, one said that. Who are you listening to? Who are you talking to? Knowing God has reserved you for a purpose for his glory, who are you allowing to influence you? Who have you invited into your life? Who are you hearing? Because I guarantee you, when they had that conversation, if one or two of them said no and had spoken negatively and I said there's no hope, no, we shouldn't do that, they probably would have reached another conclusion and they would have simply surrendered to the circumstances and they would die. But because they were with the right people, who were able to encourage them, speak into their life, put hope in them, keep vision alive in them. They found the spiritual and emotional strength to get up from where they are and begin to take some positive steps in the direction of life and hope. My brother and sister, if you understand that you are alive today for God's purpose, then you've got to ask yourself, who are you with? Who are you taking with you? Who is influencing you? Who is listening to you? Are those people helping you to fulfill the purpose that God has given you? Or are they a hindrance? Are they obstacles? Are they discouraging you? And this is true for all of us, but especially for the young people. 
choose your friends wisely. Choose who you're going to listen to, who you're going to allow to speak into your, into your life, who you're going to allow to influence you. Choose the kind of conversations you're going to have. And choose the people who will have the conversations that help you to focus on God's purpose, to do God's will, to keep moving in the direction of life. Here's the third question. Those of us who have received grace and are feasting on blessings we did not deserve, experiencing a victory we did not fight for, here's the third question you have to ask. What are you supposed to do with the blessings God has given you? I'm alive, thank God, because of God. I have hope because of God, but look. Look at the blessings. Physical life, spiritual life, financial life. Gifts, talents from God, all of these blessings that if they, you, you know, some of you don't call what you have blessings. You think, you think, you think they're just things in your life. But you need to realize those things that you have taken for granted are the blessings of God. The fact that you had a brain that allow you to go to school, to get an education, to get a job, and the help to be able to go to work, my brother and sister, all of those things can be taken away from you. They are gifts from God. And so one of the questions we need to be asking ourselves, child of God, you and I who are recipients of grace, you and I who are alive today need to ask ourselves, now God, what am I supposed to do with all of these blessings that you have given to me. You see, don't make the mistake that the that they, uh, four lepers first made. They thought it was all for them. Their initial response was me, me, me. And then they realized, wait a minute. This cannot be why God has blessed us so that we can take care of ourselves alone. No, it must be. That the reason that God has blessed me to be alive, it must be that the reason we're here and God has revealed these things to us, it must be that God wants to use me and the blessing he's brought into my life to make me a channel of blessings to others. What are you and I going to do with the blessings? Hear me, it's understandable for us to come to Christ initially purely motivated by a desire for self-preservation. And that's how we all came. We didn't want to go to hell. We wanted our own sins forgiven. We wanted to be right with God. We wanted God to do something for us. We wanted God to hear our prayer. All of us came motivated by self-preservation. That's okay. But after you have come for that reason, that cannot continue to be the only reason you keep coming and you keep being around God. It has, you have to grow beyond that. These men grew beyond that when they said, you know what? What we're doing is not well. It cannot be just about us. Here's what the Bible says. God says, I've comforted you, which means I've helped you. 
Now what I want you to do with the help I've given you, the comfort I've given you, I want you to help comfort others with the same comfort that I gave you. In other words, I have blessed you. Indeed, I have blessed you. Now I want you to take the very blessings that I've given to you, and now you become a channel of those blessings to others. Just like I've used people to bless you. Now I want you to take those blessings that I have blessed you with and let me now work with you and with those blessings to channel this to others. Don't let the blessings stop with you. We all have to get to the place where we're not just seeing ourselves, but we're seeing others who are without God and without hope in this world. And we've got to say, now the blessings I have are not just for me. These blessings are to help those people. we all got to get to a place where we look at the body of Christ and we see the needs, spiritual needs, physical needs, material needs, and say, you know what? The blessings God has blessed me with are not just for me. They're also to enable me to be a channel of God to bless these people too. And here's the last question, and then I'm done. Listen to this. What will be your message? Every person needs to have a message. Your life, your words, your behavior, your actions need to communicate God's message of love and of life and of hope to the world. What are you saying? Are you a carrier of good news? Are you letting the multitudes that do not know Christ, they're living without hope and without God in this world, are you allowing yourself to become a means of blessing? And do you have a message, the message of Christ that you are delivering to them because you understand that this is the day of good news and the good news is Christ died for you. The good news is God loves you. The good news is you don't have to perish. The good news is God has provided eternal life for you. Is your life delivering that message? Are you delivering it with your words? Are you delivering it with the way you live? That's the message that is part of your mission. Let's be faithful and declare it. It's not good for us to have all the blessings and keep it for ourselves when there's a whole world there that needs what we have. But they will not receive what we have until we tell them. God's word is true in Jesus' name. Don't give up hope. Help is on its way. And let me tell you, the reason help is on its way is because help has already come. Because help has already come in Christ Jesus, help is certainly on its way for you. And because help has already come to you in Christ Jesus, you now, listen to me, have become God's chosen instrument to bring help to someone else. May the Lord grant that all of us be faithful in this matter. I pray in the mighty and inconquerable name of Jesus. And all in agreement said? Yeah. All in agreement said?
Now, I want to speak to the folks who are watching and some of you who are here. If you read the story, there were two words that were spoken. Both words came to pass. One word was the good news. And the good news was, tomorrow about this time, God is going to turn this thing around for you. And let me say again, literally for some of you, that's exactly what's going to happen. And the word of the Lord I speak will not return void. But there was another word that he spoke. He spoke to the man who didn't believe. And he said, because you have not believed, you will see, but you will not partake. You will perish. That word also came to pass. Here's the good news. If you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Here's the bad news. If you don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you reject it, the bad news is you will perish. God's word will be fulfilled. It is not his will for you to perish. And that's why it's critical that you believe the good news that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Jesus Christ arose. Jesus shed his blood for you. God has accepted his blood as full payment for your sins. Believe that gospel. That's good news. And then act upon that good news by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when you do that, all of your sins are forgiven. And that party I'm talking about is surely going to happen. He said, but Bishop, suppose I die before the party. No, you can't die before the party. If you die, it just means the party is going to take place in heaven. That's all. The venue just is going to be heaven. But one way or the other, every one of us has a party in Jesus' name. But only for those who believe. If you don't believe and you die, according to the Bible, you will perish. There is a place called hell that God doesn't want you to go to. So every head bow right now, and we're going to pray. If you're here today and you have not yet believed the gospel or you have not yet received Jesus Christ, you have not repented of sin and received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and say, Bishop, I want to pray right now with you. I want to receive Christ now as my Savior and Lord. I want you to do something. It's going to take some courage on your part, I guess. But, but you got to act upon the word of God. You can't be ashamed of Jesus. We're not going to put you on the spot, but you do need to make some action to demonstrate that this is what you want. This is what we're going to ask you to do is to raise your hand right where you are. Just raise your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, my Lord. And keep it up so I know that your hand is raised for this purpose. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior, Lord. I, yeah, I see someone raising his hand. Someone else, I want to receive Jesus. Now, if you're watching online, you can also receive Jesus there. But you got to be able to say, I want to receive Jesus. I repent of my sins. So church, while your heads are bowed, let's pray with the people who are raising their hand. My brother, after this meeting, would you please come to me, okay? I want to talk to you personally. If you're raising your hand to receive Christ after this service, come to the front. Let me meet you. All of church, let's pray together. Say, Father God, 
today. I acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. I believe he died for my sins. I believe his blood was the price paid for my redemption. And today, I repent of sin and I choose Jesus Christ. I declare Jesus, my faith is in you as my Savior and as my Lord. You have saved me and you will preserve me until the end. Thank you for salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's clap and give God praise for those who have gone.